Hey, let's go answer the bell, huh? If we just know what we're doing, work at it, and concentrate and do it. And we're off. Welcome into another episode of the Patriots Podcast. I'm Sean here with JJ and Ryan. Hello. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are here with another off-season edition. A little bit of the free free agency frenzy has slowed down now. We have a better sense of what's going on out there. Still some big names, but for the most part, the Patriots have wrapped up their wish list at this point. So we got on here two weeks ago and we just talked about all the fireworks that went off right at the beginning, tight ends and receivers, defensive linemen. And now we feel like they've filled out the back end of the roster with some of the holes that we were still pointing out. What was it? It was St. Patrick's Day. It was like a day or two into free agency. I think it was the very night the free agency started, two days after the legal tampering period when all the news started coming out. But we highlighted running back as a need. They bring back James White for like Mm -hmm. negative money. We highlighted defensive tackle, uh, veteran presence. Lawrence Guy is back for almost no no money. Van Noy joins our inside linebacking, outside linebacking crew, gives us tons of versatility between him, Hightower, and Judon. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, David Andrews comes back at center. We were on board for Ted Karras to be our starting center, but way more on board for David Andrews to be here at a cap number oh, yeah. of like $1.5 million. I mean, they got these guys for free, practically. Mm -hmm. And now you look at the roster and you're like, oh, this feels like a filled out team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's surprising that some of those guys, like you just said, what we got them for. I mean, James White's on a one-year deal. David Andrews on a multi-year deal, like you said, but not a lot of money. Very incentive-laden. I mean, I I would have not minded paying these guys a little bit more because you, you have a little bit more money to spend, but maybe that's going other places. Uh, but yeah, just an absolute haul. Um, we didn't expect to get all those guys back. A lot of them were looking at Miami to go there. We also got a couple other little, you know, one-year deals on young linebackers um, or middle, you know, uh, veteran presence linebackers. Nothing much there. But really, this team is just. I mean, I think we were talking about it before. I don't know how many draft picks they can make because some of them just aren't going to make the team, just from a numbers standpoint. Uh, a lot of guys are going to get cut, which is a good thing um but we're really just a quarterback list team i mean unless you're someone that believes that cam newton can do it so i'm not in that corner but um i mean we've we've got quite quite the array of talent here compared to last year yeah we'll we'll circle back to the the quarterback point but i mean the rest of this roster find a hole yeah i agree i think it's other than quarterback you could say it's you know pretty complete roster i mean linebacker in the last couple weeks has gone from a major weakness to major strength i would say uh you know i I said last time we were on here that van noy i wouldn't want him back because of because of what he said but i mean you could do a lot worse than kyle van noy as a guy you bring in at that at that price tag uh james white back which i love um how could you not love that um that number's incredibly low uh, see, I thought he would get more money than that. I, I really thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would make a play at him, and Andrews at that number is a bargain. So I'm surprised we got all three of those guys back. The big one for me coming out of here is obviously quarterback. We could talk about that down the road. But Gilmore is saying that now that he wants to restructure and and potentially extend his deal. That that one I find pretty interesting. Oh, Gilmore said that? I didn't see that. Well, he, he said, said he'd be open to an extension. 
Yeah, I think he said very open. He probably realized, oh, this is a team, now I want to play with them. And if you keep him with all the defensive players you have now, I mean, and you also, if nothing goes uh, wrong with J.C. Jackson, you either keep him on the year tender or you extend him. Um, I mean, this defense is pretty, I mean, I don't know who they're going to draft or whatever, but they are solid. They have a pretty damn good front seven now, and we know our secondaries are, you know, what we have. Uh, that's our strength. I know Pat Chung, I don't know if we, that was on the last episode of a Pat Chung retired. So you lose him, but that's kind of what you drafted some of these other younger guys for. You brought in Jalen Mills. Um, yeah, I mean, Duggar, you got this, you got a defense that is versatile. They can play, they they're big. They could stop the. You have personnel to stop the run if you need to, which was the biggest problem last year. If you can match that with obviously defending the pass really well, I mean, it's good good spot to be. It's, it looks a lot better, lot improved from last year. So it seems like one of the the biggest holes as far as going forward is still defensive line as far as like right. long term. Yeah. I think a lot of the the defensive line is is more of a short term fix. Uh, I'm not really. Sh- sold on Gacho. I don't know how good he is. I, he didn't pop to me when I watched him at Miami. Uh, Lawrence Guy's an older guy. Dietrich Wise, I mean, you know, not the best. I wouldn't count on him long-term. Winovich can only really play against the pass. I, you know, I still think defensive line, as far as long-term, could be a hole that they, they attack in the draft. They yeah, did, I, they, I they agree. Did, they did do shorter deals with the free agent Defensive linemen Henry Anderson and Gotcha both got two-year deals. However, the re-signs, Dietrich Wise and Lawrence Guy, both got four- to five-year deals. I think Larry Guy got a five-year deal, which puts yeah. him signed through his 35-year-old season. Not too yeah. common to see defensive tackles play that late, but that might be a salary cap uh, movement to try to spread his cap hit out into – later on in, in the 2020s when the TV deal money really rolls in. Defensive yeah. line could be some, some place that they build on. I just, I, I love that it's so deep. It's like you, you look at their their defensive line, they're like four deep, easy at starters. And then behind that, they have like Carl Davis. They picked up Montrevis Adams, who's a guy I really liked because he played at Auburn. But they have these guys who could be boomer bust at the end of the roster, but you don't need to, to be counted on. Same thing at what linebacker. What kind of player is Adams? I thought he was a pass rusher when he played. He wore number one at Auburn. I thought he was a, a pass rush D-tackle. You know, like he's a, he's a 300-pounder. He's a big body. But I viewed him as more of a pass rusher. Um, so then okay. at, at, at linebacker, you got the, those top-line guys we went through before. But then behind it, you bring in Raekwon McMillan. You bring in uh, one of the other linebackers. They were both second, they were second and third-round picks. They were guys with lots of talent have starting experience who are looking for a chance to to pop and it's right. like they, mm-hmm. they they have those guys built in right now where if they hit then maybe we can resign them or we get a compensatory pick later on down the road mm-hmm. the secondary is loaded top to, we have like 11 players that are going to make the roster in the secondary and then it's yeah. like mm-hmm. how do you even add to that one of the things that you look at this team they have like 79 guys signed right now you can only carry 90 at any point in the offseason, and they have, like, eight picks. And they love to bring in, like, undrafted 10, 10 guys. Undrafted guys. So you're, Absolutely. we're going to have to cut, like, 10 people to have our normal influx of rookies. So what you're seeing right, right now is going to be very different from what you see in three to four weeks when the draft starts because 
that those undrafted free agents, they'll start as soon as the draft ends. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you yeah. need to have the roster spots right then to be able to offer them contracts. So there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to get dismissed from the team over the next month after not participating in any mini camps, not having any, any yeah, any chance to any chance himself. to really make it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I, it's a. I agree with you, Ryan. I think it's a really good that, chance um, to go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying I was I agree with you on uh, you know the D tackle. You know they definitely have depth, like Granny's saying, but we don't really have elite talent there. No, no top end guy, and I, I could see if we don't go quarterback, you or use the fifteenth pick overall to go quarterback or something. I could see a D tackle landing there. I don't really know the board, but I can see them getting them. That's classic Bill Belichick move. Big D N, big D tackle, nose tackle, whatever. But the key, you know, one of the pieces that we none of us have even mentioned is what they do with Judon. I mean, we don't know how they're really going to use him. I assume D end, off the off the line linebacker type of guy, uh, edge linebacker. But I mean, Bill could put him all over the place. Bill could put him on the nose tackle if he wants. He could put if he's the piece. I don't know if that's going to be him, but and it allows these other guys, you know, Chase Winovich and um, Uche and guys like that who are pass rushers. Maybe Jen, Afni Jennings too kind of move around where we don't have to put them, oh, you have to play middle linebacker because that's what we need you to do. We need you to play DN because that's what we need you to do. It's like, no, now you can focus on their talents more than just needs. Right. I I can't remember the linebacking core being as deep as it is right now. Um, It's kind of unusual. You know, last couple of years Mm -hmm. we've been just kind of plugging in the gaps as we've lost kind of older guys. Um, This situation feels a little bit different to me, and, and you mentioned the roster size going forward. We have a lot of picks. Maybe it's a perfect opportunity to trade up and get quality over quantity. Yeah. Or potentially even trade down and move for for the next coming years because these are all pretty short deals, um, which is a good thing. You know, it gives you a lot of flexibility and, you know, you can still bring in some youth. Yeah. One of the great things that I like a lot about the deals they did are many of them are multi-year deals. Yeah. Maybe they're not four plus year deals. Maybe they're only two, maybe three, like Hunter Henry. Mm -hmm. But they're multi-year deals where we carry over this talent beyond just this season, where a lot of guys are coming up right now. Like Devin McCourty is in the last year of his deal. Stephon Gilmore, Dante Hightower, who's like the high-level talent on this roster, is about to potentially graduate from the team after this season. So the way that they... We're able to lock down some of these guys on multi-year deals. Yeah, maybe they're not like end end your career here deals, but they're they're multi-year deals. Mm-hmm. Makes it so that they're not going to have that huge cliff where everybody could look at each other and be like, "Screw this place!" Like what happened to the Miami Heat when LeBron left and then Dwayne Wade leaves, and then it's like, "Oh shit!" Everybody just looks at each other. All right, scram. So that's that. Yeah. It's not going to happen the way they're set up right now. I think you made a great point about defensive line. I. Belichick loves defensive linemen in the first round. We can never forget this. He always this. does well with them. Outside of Malcolm Brown. Dominic Easley. Dominic Easley, the two, those two. So before that, he had a great tracker, track yeah. record there. When he sticks with his thing, which is he likes those tall, long, big, powerful defensive linemen. Ty Warren, Richard Seymour. And there is a potential. Richard's, I just saw a mock draft has Christian Barmore coming to the Patriots at 15. 6'5", 35-inch arms, 310 pounds, powerful run-stuffing and pass-rushing defensive tackle. Does that not scream Richard Seymour coming out of Alabama as well? It's like damn near lock. My problem with that is of all the the mocks and, you know, people's rankings I've seen, 
I haven't seen an interior defensive lineman be ranked really in the top, really in the first round. It's it's pretty really? few, few and far between, yeah. So I don't know if you take him at 15, if that's a bit of an overdraft, and that would concern me. Maybe you you could trade down and still get that guy, and then you add some more assets, you know? Exactly, exactly. Could happen. But yeah, you're you're totally right that if, if they go into the draft with 75 players on the roster, we could see some movement upwards where they're like, we, we can't take nine draft picks and leave ourselves right. with only six undrafted guys. Let's move up a bit, cut that number down to five draft picks mm-hmm. where we could have some I, movement from that perspective. Yeah, I've been wondering if they're literally setting themselves up for that. It's like, that's the writing on the wall in some aspects. I can't see them doing it, but it almost seems like the writing on the wall is that, hey, we don't have a lot of spots here because we're not going to use a lot of these draft picks. They're going to go other places. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, whatever happens. But, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, from a numbers game, we're, we're getting pretty close to the end. I mean, there's a couple guys I think you could cut still, but it's not like they're going to flip over 10 people like they want to do for undrafted positions and stuff like that. So we'll see. Yeah, and by the sounds of it, the quarterback situation is is very hot right now. As oh, far it's ridiculous. as ridiculous, you know, as far as what's going on with the 49ers trading and then the the Dolphins trading down and then back up and then just stockpiling first round picks, you can kind of see teams are really jockeying to get into the top ten area, and it sounds like there could even be five, which is crazy, five quarterbacks taken in the first ten to 15 picks and sorry if you're new england you're not going to get one of those guys and you and if you do you're going to get left with a guy that maybe potentially you didn't even want you just get in the remains you know what i mean the leftovers so uh, it's tricky it's tricky but i i would say if you're going to trade up you need to be pretty aggressive right now i i think the trading up i was just going to pour some cold water on it it's probably not in the first round because to trade up in the first round you have to give up substantial so much right yeah the niners just set up set that precedent it's like didn't someone trade the falcons a couple like within the last two years someone traded up for the falcons pick and it was it wasn't top five pick but i want to say between five and ten and it was they didn't give up much traded up a few spots for like a third with a third round pick or something and then this year the niners grow up eight spots and give up three first rounders and whatever else i think it was two first rounders at a third i want to say is that right well, plus three, this year's, plus this year's, so three total well, first rounds. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. And that's a lot, no? It's it's a and lot. And reportedly, reportedly for, I mean, you could read into this what you will. I, I don't know if they know something about the what the Jets are going to do, but they're saying for Mac Jones. A lot of places are saying for Third. Mac Jones, which is wild to me because <laughs> coming into the draft, I, I wouldn't even have wanted to use a first round pick on this guy, and now they're saying he might go number. Three. Number three, yeah, yeah. Isn't that insane? I don't know how you could possibly justify taking him over um, Justin, you know, Justin Fields, but... Yeah, this <sighs> this is important that they, they gave up that big package to go from 12 to 3. Knowing full well Trevor Lawrence is going first, which was just confirmed by Urban Meyer, almost everybody believes that Zach Wilson's going number two to the Jets. And you don't give up a package like that to get anything except a quarterback. So right now we've, we've locked in quarterbacks one two three last time if i were the jets i would sell that pick get tons of stuff and try and work on darn you could get tons of stuff for the second you get that's what i mean you i mean you're you just picked a top five guy three you know it's like i know zach wilson's great but 
Is that really you got what you guys need right now? Can't you get so much <laughs> draft stock and capital? Yep, I have to believe that the Jets are not taking a quarterback for the 49ers to make that move. There's no way they could be making up, moving right, up they, that if, far to take Mac Jones. Right. Like, if they take Zach Wilson there, that makes plenty of sense. Or they, they think they can flip-flop with the Jets or something. Oh, I think it's brilliant. I mean, I think he's potentially, in five years down the road, you might say he's the best quarterback in the draft. Watching his pro day, he's just a perfect oh, oh. modern-day quarterback. The ball flies out of his hands. He could throw on the run. He could throw... Running left, running right out of the pocket. He's just so versatile in that way. And I don't know. I think he's got everything, you know. But the Jets are going to take him at two. There's, you think so? They're definitely taking him? There's there's no other player that's worthy oh, of the second second overall him. pick. There's just That tackle's worthy. They don't want to tackle. They just they just took a tackle top 10 last year. They don't so, want to tackle. Sewell, what you say? Panay Sewell yeah. from, from Oregon. Slater's good, too. I mean... Uh, I don't know. People like some of these tackles, but they're not going to take a tackle. Number two overall. That's if you that is malpractice. If you take a tackle right there and don't trade back because there's so (laughs) much, so much value in that pick to take a quarterback. Look what the Niners just gave up. I know. To take a chance at drafting potentially the third. Selling, selling, selling. Sell it off, Jeff. Do you you legitimately think that they would move up to three to, to take Mac Jones? I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't know why everyone's set on Mac Jones. Why Mac, can't it be? All right, so um, so here's here's the thing about uh, with them and Mac Jones. They didn't announce this trade until after Trey Lance's pro day. Kyle Shanahan was not at Trey Lance's pro day in North Dakota State. There were, I believe, 31 teams in attendance, and one of them, the only one that wasn't, was the 49ers. Now, maybe that's to throw off the scent. I'm not exactly sure. After that, they announced the trade, which they've been working on for weeks. Peter King reported that. Then Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, both at Mac Jones's pro day in Alabama. And then a lot of people in the media just look around and they go, okay, who's Shanahan coached at quarterback? He's coached Matt Schaub and Brian Hoyer and Matt, Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like those guys look more like Mac Jones than they look like other guys. Meanwhile, he coached RG3 during RG3's one good season. So I don't know how, how that argument holds up, but they haven't come out and said, look, we're going for Mac Jones. No, I know they haven't yeah. said it, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, everyone's jumping down. I wouldn't think so. I don't know. I mean, he's not a first round quarterback to me. Yeah, me neither. I think it's an overreach. I think they're moving up to that spot and they're hoping for Wilson or Fields. But, you know, I keep hearing reports that it's it's for Mac Jones. And I'm just like, OK, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> you know? yeah, why did you just trade all that away for a guy you could get where you already were? Uh, potentially so the, the, because, well there was no talk of him in the top 10 mac jones it was like okay maybe the patriots get him at 15 maybe someone feels they're going to jump on him a little earlier but i mean the niners were at what 12 they were at 12 like, it's like you could easily get mac jones at 12 and if you ever felt anything you not easily to get him not easily man i think we're not easily no still. you're getting ahead of yourself look everybody believes before this trade that there was going to be at least four quarterbacks in the top 10 if not all five Everybody believed that the Patriots weren't going to have a chance at 15 to draft one of these top five quarterbacks. This is a panic move for the Niners. They were like, fuck it. We're going to take control of our own destiny. We're going to get into the top three. Make sure we get one of the top three quarterbacks. They weren't going to get one. They probably weren't going to get one. Yeah, and, but they, and I've, if they didn't care, they're like, they got they to They cared. They obviously cared. They just gave up the farm system for this pick. They cared. Yeah, I know they did. But there's a reason. I don't know. I, I think that's that's so crazy to me to give up that much and not know who you're going to get. 
You know, well, that's I mean? what like, they I have to like know they... who they're trying to get, right? Because if if they didn't care who they got, it's like okay, well, we can wait on draft day and trade up to number eight and get somebody for way less than three first round picks. It's like saying, hey, oh, you know, we'll be happy with Fields or Wilson, and they just give up the farm for either Fields or Wilson. Right. Or, Which and if they did right. it for Mac Jones, then uh, you know, I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> so anyway. Quarterbacks are going to go top three at least um, for the first time since 1999. That worked out really well. Tim Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith, top three. Perfect. Yep. Not so Couldn't hot. Be better. Uh, <laughs> and probably there's going to be another quarterback in the top seven at least. Uh, and then Carolina's sitting there at eight who really wants one. Point yeah. being that... The, the Dolphins move back from 3 to 12. They then swing another deal with the Eagles to get up to 6. What are the Dolphins targeting at 6? Because if they wanted a quarterback to compete with Tua, why not take him at 3? Why take the chance right. of moving back to 6? They don't want a quarterback. What do they want? They they look at the way it's playing out. Okay, it's going to be... They want I either... Kyle, I think it's either yeah. Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. They know one of yeah. those two guys is going to be on the board at 6, and they're going that way. And it right. sucks because now we got to go against one of these elite weapons for the next four or five years. Yeah. The, the Dolphins' moves are concerning because they not only have they got themselves in the really good position this year, off, you know, off the back of just Houston Texans' stupidity, um, they they could do it again next year. I, I think they have like six first-round picks in the next like three, four years. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty impressive. So they're at six. I really feel like Kyle Pitts would do them a ton of good, you know? Give Tua a little safety blanket. He's unbelievable. Want the floor. Kyle Pitts is just an unbelievable player. If he's, you know, going to a team that, that needs someone like that, which every team in the league could, then for a young quarterback, that's a really nice thing to have. Kyle Pitts being the, the standout tight end from Florida, super freak athlete. Tremendous receiver, not a big blocker, but it's going to be a big-time difference maker in the passing game. Most likely. We'll do more. i got to do more scouting. But I have a feeling I'm not going to like him as much as I like him right now. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But uh, so th- all these quarterback moves keep getting made. We we have a strong feeling the top five quarterbacks are going to go pretty early. How many quarterback needy teams are in, there in the NFL? I don't know. Five to ten, somewhere in that range. And some, yeah. of the, some of the other quarterbacks that are kind of superfluous after these draft picks are like Sam Darnold's just sitting out there. Jordan Love is is riding the bench in Green Bay still. Does anybody want to make a play for him? I don't know. Uh, how about Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina is a serviceable quarterback? Does somebody want to give him more of a shot? Jimmy Garoppolo is apparently staying in, in San Francisco to redshirt the, the rookie quarterback for a season. There's some of these other guys that have moving pieces. And then... Something that never comes up. There's more than five quarterbacks in this draft. There's probably going to be at least 10 of them drafted. And what's going to happen with everybody moving up to take these top five guys so early is that everybody's going to get their fill right off the bat. And those guys that might be second and third round talents turn into third, fourth, fifth round draft picks. That we think. And that's probably where you're going to see the Patriots take somebody. Is somebody that they have in the second round, they're going to take them in the third round. Like a Kellen Mond or a Trask or Ellinger or someone Maybe like that. Maybe someone we've never no, heard of. Jamie about. Newman. Maybe like their secret weapon from D1 AA somewhere, some mountain fucking college. No one's ever heard of and we're like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Probably. Newman's interesting, though. I would, 
you know, it's just like this isn't something you could bank on as the quarterback of the future. And it, right now it really feels like we're going Cam Newton for this year. Well, um, unless Jimmy G's back on the table and he comes in, uh, I would see – I can see the Niners waiting until the draft to let him go. I could see them waiting until the trade trade deadline of next year. You know, yeah. that's that's when I feel like it would be the most beneficial for them. You know, they've already got their kind of grooming in six to eight weeks of a regular season, an extended regular season now. And, uh, yeah. you know, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields have developed or Mac Jones. And, um, you know, I'm curious what the time to swoop. I'm curious what the trade package would have to be to get Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Because I could see it being like, nobody's going to trade for him unless he agrees to restructure his contract. And by the way, he's got a no trade clause. So he could just say, fuck you. I'm not doing right. that. Right. Um, well, and then it's if, an expiring deal too, right? Like he's got, he doesn't have a year after two this. Years? Does he? he's two got, years? Yeah. He's got another year afterwards, but oh, it's okay. got almost no guaranteed money. Okay. Uh, so meaning that they could always cut him. But then if you cut him, then you can't get a compensatory pick. You can't, you obviously don't get anything in return. So you'd want to be able to get some value for him if he's a tradable asset. Other teams might be like, I don't know, we're, we're not going to give you that much unless he restructures. So then he's going to have to really accept the role that he's being given at the other team and, and everything that goes into that. Point being, Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone. And if you're the San Francisco 49ers, do you want to go into the season, risk him getting injured? and losing that potential asset in return. Like if somebody's offering you a second round pick, are you like, oh, let's put Jimmy on the field. He'll probably get hurt at some point, and then nobody's going to trade you for him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, the writing is on the wall. We Everyone was saying that whole thing was dead, and then boom, the Niners make a big, big move at quarterback. I mean, you draft a guy three overall, whoever it is, you know, I've heard John Lynch come out recently and say, oh, yeah, Jimmy's super competitive and he's going to want to work. It's like, but at that point, you know your position is going to, this guy's going to start, right? Like, if you draft a quarterback in the top three picks, he's got to start at some point this season, within the first half of the season. It's not like you're going to wait till week 17 and be like, all right, now I'll let you start. You know what I mean? All right, that's that's one of the reasons I think the trade deadline is, is the time to swoop. Um and they still have Mullins, and I think... They have Peter? the patience, though, for that. No, they have, a lot of guys don't have the patience for something like that. They have Bethard. Well, they let Mullins go. Right. Okay, okay, so they let Mullins go. They have Bethard. Bethard, I think, had a ridiculous quarterback rating in, like, very limited time. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they do long-term, but... Well, I know what they do long-term. I just don't know what they do short-term, you know? And they've made it very apparent with their public statements that Jimmy G's not going anywhere, at least in the short term. So it kind of puts us at a, you know, a crossroads. We have to make a different decision. So what would you give up for him? Jimmy G? Yeah. At this like, point, I'd give him I'd give him 15 at this point. Like I probably would do. I've talked myself into it. John, where are you at? No, I'd give him a third rounder. That's it? Yeah. You got all the leverage. They're they're going to yeah, sink 25 million but into a if, backup quarterback. But you So you're fine with going with Cam Newton then? Yeah. Instead wow. of Jimmy? Instead of Jimmy, yeah. Really? For for a short period of time. I mean, everybody knows Jimmy's available after the season, right? Yeah, pretty if, much. If not mid-season, if not before the season. He's going to be available. If you're willing to wait? Yeah. Well, see, here's here's the thing. Like, This is why I disagree is because the I've, I've seen what the Patriots have done with the rest of the roster. And this looks like a win-now team. 
and you have Cam Newton on it, and if you have, and and with Cam Newton, it's for me, it's like a nine ten win team, and with Jimmy G, it's eleven twelve. You might legitimately have a shot of making the Super Bowl. I think it's 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 not out of the realm of possibility. The one year he's been healthy as a starter, he's made the Super Bowl. You know, it's I don't know. I think I think it's worth the sacrifice. I mean, ideally, I would have given him a second round, just like they gave us. It's fine with me. I didn't want to do the first round pick, but like you said, Ryan, it's like you've got all this talent. You're missing a guy that could throw the ball. We know. I mean, I'm not. I've never been like diehard Jimmy G fan, but you know he can make certain throws that Cam cannot make. And it's like, is that worth the first round pick at this point? We may just screw the first round pick up anyway. So, you know, <laughs> maybe give them a first round pick, get some picks back would be ideal, but. I don't know. All right. I've talked myself into it being worth it. I think you convinced me. I think the first round pick is worth it. I think you're right. right? How, however, I mean... however, I think we would be getting swindled by doing that because Jimmy's got a no trade clause. He's not going to go just anywhere. He could say to right. them, um, cut me or trade me to the Patriots. And then we have hmm. all the leverage in the world. Yeah, and it's just, it, I think it would oh, yeah, be, totally. we would be getting swindled if we did it, but yeah, it's worth it. Based on the uh, the track record and the injury history, I think a first round pick is definitely too much for Jimmy G. But based on need, yeah. um, where that where the team the 49ers are in the draft, based you know number three, you're going to get a good quarterback, um, or you should. And based on just the run of quarterbacks that it seems like is going to be in the first ten picks, you're kind of pricing yourself out unless you pay a sig- significant. More fee than to move up exactly. to get exactly. one. Fifteen feels, you know, like a, you know, something I would swallow my pride and you know, yeah, go. It's it's high, but that's you're right. It's like, what are your alternatives at this point? There's nobody else you're gonna go get. You're either gonna try and hope to pick someone at fifteen, which doesn't look look like it's gonna work out. You could trade way more to do it. So you know, to go up and get one of these guys in the top ten, which is an astronomical price right now so it's like that makes the number 15 overall a softer blow or even like a future first rounder a future first rounder too that would be nice potential yeah especially because the niners are without them for the next two seasons right. exactly the can we talk for a minute just about what this offense looks like because you got me intrigued let's just let's take quarterback position out of out of the equation and just assume competent qb named x whatever but the this offensive off. line, these these mooses up front, depending on how they want to move the chess pieces around, I'm still not sure if Isaiah Wynn's going to kick into guard on Wenu's going to stay at right tackle, Trent Brown at left tackle, or you move on Wenu into left guard. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. All I know is we got five outstanding run blockers. We got yeah. two fullbacks on the roster. We got a power back in Damian Harris, who can really make extra yardage happen. We got a backup to him in Sony Michelle. We got two tight ends who are legit playmakers in both the run and pass game. Yeah. We got Josh McDaniels, one of the top five offensive minds of the, of the last 20 years, calling the plays. We got competent receivers. We don't have a number one receiver, but we have competent receivers one to four mm-hmm. in Edelman, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. This offense can be so variable. I mean, a lot of these guys could play 60% of the snaps and we could always have fresh, talented players at every position. I mean, I didn't even mention James White's on this team. They love J.J. Taylor at backup passing back. That guy's got some scoot in him. Remember him from last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's quick. No one yeah, can I see like him. him. 
JJ Taylor, yeah. And then there's Nikhil Harry's a wild card. Don't, I'm not a big believer, but he's a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, the offensive line is going to dominate people. The running game is going to be a force to be reckoned with. The tight ends are going to make people freak out. Are you playing base? Or are you right. playing? Are you playing dime? How do you and even they have, decide? They have depth to whatever position. I mean, it's not like you know, especially offensive line. You look at you signed Teddy Karras for a year, so you know he's a serviceable back, serviceable backup. And Justin Heron is your swing tackle coming in if you need. You know, he needs to spare some time on someone, and he was solid. You know, if he can um, show any, you know, improvement on his game last year, I think you've got a solid guy in that position. As you mentioned, tight end. I mean, we still have the two rookies now that all that, they just had all the pressure on them in the world to succeed and be successful. And they failed. And then now they have nothing on them. It's like, we don't know if they're going to make their team. All, you know, that stress on them is completely gone. So it's like, okay, now maybe they have a little bit more room to grow uh a, a csc started catching some passes in the very end of the season maybe he can do something and he's your third guy now you know so like you said a running back tons of depth they have depth everywhere the only missing pieces it's it's crazy how much is on quarterback and how the patriots have let it get to this point where they're like we finally got everything else solidified quarterback the most important mm-hmm. position is the only red flag yeah i mean you look at what they did at tight end that's you know, that's good for blocking, not necessarily uh, Hunter Henry, but Johnu Smith. Um, a really versatile offensive line that can move around, play different positions. Uh, you got wide receivers that can run short routes. Um, one guy that can definitely run a deep route. A couple of big guys. Um, some good route runners in there. I mean, a lot of running backs. You could use probably one more bruiser. I think we have do we have two fullbacks on the roster right now? I know we have uh yeah. Jakob Smith we resigned. We still have Vitali. Yeah, Vitali's still on the roster and Jakob Johnson a, resigned. Yeah, I mean you it's a really versatile roster. Uh Cam Newton with the, you know, can run the RPO. He's not I mean, that's really your biggest weakness, right? Like you can't really throw the ball well. <laughs> if you could, you'd have the most versatile offense in the nfl really i mean it's yeah. a lot of different things you could do with that offensive line and just to, those tight ends you throw you in to, some of those receivers and it's james white it's it's you could do a lot of things with this offense and josh mcdaniels can really be creative this year with all the weapons he has yeah um, he's got he's got no excuses this year i mean if you put a top 10 quarterback in here i mean your offense is dominant yeah well duh well, duh, a top 10 quarterback, those guys aren't just available. Yeah, but, I mean... Top 15 would be fine. Top 15 know? would be fine. Top 15 would be You'd totally be fine. A, uh, if yeah, you, really good offense with a top 15 If you put Matt Ryan on this offense... You'd be oh, disgusting. Yeah. Forget they'd be, it. They'd be Forget really it. Good. Right now we're dealing, though, it's... Sorry, Cam Newton is a bottom two or three quarterback in the league right now as far as starters. That's just the way it is. I mean, that's that's what I saw last year, and... You know, you could have all the guys you want. If you can't get an open guy five yards, ten yards, fifteen yards away, then mm-hmm. I mean, what are we talking about? You know, and then, exactly. and then keying on the run is going to be something teams will want to do against us until we can make that happen, until we can show that we can. I mean, you know, we, right? If we could pass, I mean, we've seen it with the Brady offenses of the past. Like, if you can throw the ball and everyone's just defending the pass, that's when you run. That's when it's the best to run. And so with this offensive line, you will literally just bully teams if you can throw the ball. That's yeah. what, it's going to be bully ball. It's going to be great. Well, that's that's the thing is you could trot out this offensive line with 
two upper half of the of the NFL tight ends with two receivers and a running back, and they don't know if you're trying to run power football inside or if you're going to spread them out and go five wide. You know, right. they just won't know. So how how do you put the personnel in for that? And that that's where we're going to have our advantage. By the way, I tried to frame that as let's forget about the quarterback for a minute, and both of you <laughs> went immediately. Let's talk about the quarterback. <laughs> it's I mean, hard you have to, do, right? You it's have hard to. to do. You know, it's like oh, Johnny Smith. Yeah, if no one can throw him the ball. Like yeah, he's a good blocker. <laughs> but what do you get? You know what I mean? You can I mean, hand it's it off. part of the big picture. You know, you can you have can as many guys off. open takes, as you want. He takes a uh, handoff. Okay, exactly. By the way, I, I went back and I watched the Cam Newton versus the Seahawks game from week two last year. Yeah. He looked fantastic. I that Seahawks yeah, he defense was it really well. The Seahawks it's defense terrible. horrendous. However, his arm strength looked good. Right. He, he looked comfortable. Something happened. He got hurt in his shoulder yeah. fell back into the abyss that it was before the season. And it it's like weeks, you know. Was it weeks four and five was like uh Denver and San Francisco? It I was, want to say it was after yeah. that. I think four was the Chiefs when he was out with COVID. So it was like six and seven. He didn't uh, look good versus Oakland in week three, though. We won, right? Wasn't that week three? I wonder if he hurt himself on that final drive in Seattle, and then that was it. When he got flipped over, potentially. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm pretty that sure it was two two weeks in a row. Early season, 49ers and uh, Broncos. I might have flip flopped those, but my God, those two games. I don't know if it was COVID. But, I mean, week 17, it looked like the same as week 5 and 6. It looked just, you know, you can't make a simple He didn't get any better. Throw. I don't think he – I think he got hurt. So, I mean, hey, if he can come in and play like he played versus Seattle and make a bunch of throws and run over people and look like Cam Newton at 20-whatever, mm-hmm. 2015, 2016, like, great. But it happened for a game last year, and then the wheels fall off the truck pretty quick. So, yeah, before we'll see. Before we wrap this up, Let's just take a moment and recognize Patrick Chung. He was the 34th overall pick in 2009. It was the pick that we uh, got in return for Matt Castle and Mike Vrabel. Oh, wow. And unlike the Jimmy Garoppolo pick, which was also 34, I want to say, which they, oh, no, 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 that was, it was later, but they turned that Jimmy Garoppolo pick into like seven different picks where they just traded it and it's like it's all a mismatch of like how do you even quantify what we got for Jimmy G but we know exactly what we got for Matt Castle it's Patrick Chung and he was mm-hmm. pretty good in his first stint he wasn't great mm-hmm. but he was pretty good like he played in the Super Bowl in 2011 and he was a really good special teamer and then he left and he went to Philly and he sucked and he came back on like a nothing deal in 2014 and he was and imme- killed it. immediately immediately fantastic he erased yeah. Travis Kelsey for years. Yeah, he was a tight end killer for years. He was just so good manning up against them. And he was great in the box, uh, took on hits, was really good in run support for a few years there. And, uh, yeah, shut down the tight ends. I mean, Bill's been trying to find his replacement now for a while, and it's it hasn't worked out. So, <laughs> it's he's great player. One of the most dependable players we've had in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I would say, plays through injury. One of the toughest guys, just visibly tough. You know, you playing with broken hands and whatever. Um, always in the box, always stopping the run. Um, you know, what can you say? The guy gave everything. He was a great servant to the football team and uh, to the Patriots, and I wish him all the best in the future. He's one of, one of my favorites, absolutely one of my favorites ever. He was like two... 
I, I saw him in person once, and you he looked like he could work behind a desk outside of the, the facial hair and the tattoos and stuff. But it's like very regularly sized person. Not yeah, just super athlete. Super athlete, yeah. incredibly tough, like you said, really strong, could play right at the line of scrimmage, played all the special teams. Uh, it seemed like he got the last two years of his career, it seemed like every first half he was hurt. And it's like, oh, he's, yeah. he's back in the second half. How did he do it again? Okay, yeah, come back. Hurt. Right, all the time. Really put his body on the line. And, and he even did that at Oregon when he played. You could see him just lighting guys up, putting his body on the line, absolutely sacrificing himself. And, you know, Belichick loves guys like that. And you can't really ask for more for safety. Mm-hmm. And now I got to retire one more jersey. Yep. I mean, <laughs> I, I got to pick out, I got Hightower and Edelman. I have both of those guys, but I retired Edelman's jersey after the Falcons win in the Super Bowl. By the way, yeah. happy 28 to 3. Uh, happy 28 3. 3 28 day. Right? <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, anything else we wanted to cover? Uh, so 17 we game season, we didn't mention, right? Right, right. Yeah. Right. Does this, does this move the needle for you guys? I know it moves the bank account for the owners. Um, I just think it's like a, I, we've talked about it before on the show. I think the 16 games, you know, I know everyone wants more content and you know, that's the big thing, but you know, 16 games, such a great succinct number for how many teams are in the league and the playoff structure. It just make, or the old playoff structure, I guess it made so, it, it made so much sense. It was the most concise of all the professional sports. I thought. In terms of scheduling and how everything worked, it was very easy to understand it all. Adding another game kind of screws with that. It screws with the records, which is not a big thing. And the players, I mean, we're seeing more and more injuries arise for these guys. So it's, you know, maybe it brings more people in. Maybe they have to start expanding rosters, and that's a good thing overall for the league and the players. But um, I don't know. It just, you know, it's just a money grab. But right. I guess more ta- content is cool in another way, so... Right. And and for that reason, I have mixed feelings about it. I think for the owners, it's it's a little bit selfish. And for me, and probably most of the fans, it's a little bit selfish because we get one more week of football that's actually mean something. Um, the preseason games have always meant nothing. It's a, it's about guys making the roster and great. Get rid of get rid of them all for all I care. I don't I don't really give a shit. But the one thing that kind of bothers me, and I, I guess I'm kind of a traditionalist in this way, is you know, I look at records and stats, and when guys get like a 2,000-yard rushing season, that means a that means a lot to me. That means you know, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, whatever. And it's just like, what do all those records mean now? If there's another game, it, it, you know, these new guys are going to come in and and throw break all those records, and they're going to be put at that level. You know, it's like baseball. If you played 140 games back in the day and you hit 50 home runs, you know, and then they made it 162, and you hit 50. You know what I'm saying? Right. It kind no, of absolutely. diminishes the records a little bit, I think. Totally yeah. diminishes the records. And also, it makes me have to rethink what what a, a good playoff record is. These teams are going to be 12-5 and five and 10-7. and seven. It's like, ugh. I got to rethink yeah. that? It's like, ten, it's 10-6, and 11-5. Get it right. 9-8. Uh, and eight. Nine and eight playoff team. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, nobody's gonna go five hundred anymore unless they get a, a tie. Oh, unless it really doesn't it doesn't it just tell you everything you need to know about the the money? Like these, they don't. All this 
health and safety shit, they don't really give a shit no, about your health and safety. Yeah. They're there for the money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're there for the money. There you go. Yeah. There was. I'm trying to find the stat, and I, I apologize that I can't find it right now. But there was um, only one player that threw for more than four thousand yards during the 14 game regular season era, and that was Joe Namath. And that oh, era. Wow. Uh, went from the start of the Super Bowl era up until 1978. And only Joe Namath passed 4,000 yards. Then from 1978 to 2020, it was the 16-game era. And every team except for two had a 4,000-yard passer. <laughs> Can you name the two teams? Patriots. Cam- Patriots. Cam Newton. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> in, the, in the 80s, right after? No, for the entirety of that 42-year stretch. Yeah, from 1978 oh, wow. up until now. So basically, what teams during from 1978 Jets. to 2020 haven't had a 4,000-yard passer? Definitely the Jets. You're right, the, the Jets. Ravens? Ravens? No, Ravens have. Uh, Jaguars. Nope, Jaguars have. Mm-hmm. Colts? Before Manning? <laughs> no, this includes Peyton Manning's entire career. <laughs> oh Jesus! What? Wait, what were the years again? 1978 to 2020. The present. 1978 to 2020. Definitely the Jets. The Browns. Browns. The Browns. He gets it. Boom! Go nice. figure. Look at that. Nice. Not a Bernie Kozar. Actually, I don't think uh, the Browns were it. This is the problem. I couldn't find the stat. Oh, here it is. Nope, I lost it. Sorry, guys. You just man. have to look it up for yourselves. But the Jets were one, of them, and that's all that's oh, important. Okay. Yeah. Classic. That's all that's important. Fucking mediocrity personified. Yeah. The Jets. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're going into April right now. We have a lot to look forward to with the draft. I feel like the Patriots roster is fairly concrete outside of the quarterback position, as we spent almost all, all tonight talking about. But they're in really good shape. They got a lot of these guys on multi-year deals. They have decisions to make between Gilmore and J.C. Jackson on the defensive backfield. But, look, they got two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then how they're going to use their picks, how they're going to try to structure um, bringing in a franchise quarterback, moving moving on from some of these uh, some of these Patriots Hall of Famers like Dev McCourty uh, eventually mm-hmm. when when he decides to hang it up. Those will all be interesting things to to dig through. But we'll we we can be back before the draft, and I'll have more scouting done. We could talk more in depth. JJ, you'll be way out of your element. On this, Absolutely. but we could talk some serious well, nerding out on draft now, picks. So Ryan yeah, we'll, we'll nerd out. We'll nerd we'll out. You we'll can nerd sit out there. pretty hard on the draft. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. no, a lot of a lot of cool moving parts. This is a very unusual offseason for the Patriots. So, without a doubt, exciting. it's exciting. Exciting. A lot of moves to be had. All right, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back soon. See you. Adios.